people aren't clamoring for restaurants to reopen because they're hungry. Like we know for the most part how to feed ourselves. Water <laughs> Mr. Beast, we can make a peanut butter and jelly. We want to go there for the experience and the connection to other people. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by Kyle and Sarah, who is a restaurant growth strategist, thought leader, and commercial real estate advisor with Sabre. He left the New York City finance and advertising industry to open a new chapter of his life years ago. And I'm really fascinated to, to learn about that journey. But um, he left that and went to the French Culinary Institute. Then he traveled the world working at restaurants for 10 years before opening his first restaurant in 2007. And he is currently the host of National Restaurant Owners Podcast. Kyle, you sound like a busy man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So first of all, um, tell me about what you do right now. And then I want to jump into a little bit about your journey because it, it sounds like a really fascinating uh, journey that you've had. Yeah, that's, a, that's one word for it, for sure. Um, <laughs> so yeah, my, um, I guess my full-time job is I am, I work for Sabre Advisors uh, on the national accounts team and I focus on uh, working with emerging restaurant concepts and helping them find uh, new space, new opportunities um, across the country. That's basically the elevator pitch um, for that. Um, but my, you know, my hospitality experience kind of lends into like an advisory role. So it's really kind of an all encompassing kind of, I guess, job title. I don't even know what to call it anymore. <laughs> a, a mission. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> just, yeah, just dropped in there and help any way I can. Awesome. Now, what, what was it that had you pivot from kind of the advertising? Cause I actually started off in advertising in New York city as well. And the, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I also had a, a, a come to Jesus moment and I was like, all right, look, man, this ain't, <laughs> this yeah. ain't for me. Um, but what was it for you that had you go from advertising finance and then swing it over to the French culinary Institute? That is like, no, sounds like, sounds like you had a bad breakup or something. <laughs> sounds like I was confused. Right. Yeah, I know. Um, I had, I had studied basically finance and marketing in college and I was, um, you know, I actually did my, it's so funny. I did my, my like final paper on advertising on the internet. Like that was going to be a thing. I got to find that somewhere, but um, I thought that's what I wanted to do. You know, like I went to a small, I went to Franklin Marshall, a small little art school in Pennsylvania. And um, it's, you know, that's what people do. They go to be doctors, lawyers, and they go to wall street and they, or they go to Madison Avenue, like those jobs. So I thought it was going to be cool. I thought it was going to be fun. Um, I worked in the media department and a lot of great experiences there. Um, but I just, it, wasn't as sexy as I thought it was going to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the 10% that you imagine is going to be the hundred percent is, uh, doesn't quite make up for it. You know, I was like, Oh, we're going to have all these creative brainstorming meetings. And they're like, well, yeah, those happen like, you know, twice a month. It's like, Oh, I thought that's what we just do every day is like whiteboard, cool ideas and viral campaigns and guerrilla tactics. Yeah, (laughs) No, no, it wasn't definitely not that I was in, I had a little bit of exposure to like the creative department, which is what I really wanted to do. But I was in the media buying department, which was basically just, you know, putting stuff into data. It was really boring. So yeah. 
I just was like, um, you know, I was there for a while. A lot of great experiences. Got a lot of tickets to a lot of sporting events, which was cool because I was on the IBM account. We bought a lot of sports. So uh, that was fun. Uh, but other than that, it just, I didn't see it. So I went to kind of like chasing the money and I went to work at uh, Prudential Securities, which was like, talk about not knowing yourself. Like that was not me at all. I was so miserable there. And it was, uh, yeah, I, was, I mean, there's some good takeaways from that. I think everything's an experience, but um, yeah, that, that was, um, I left there right after 9-11. Just kind of like, if that could happen, I do not want to, you know, die here in this office doing this. Yeah. And um, I'd always worked in restaurants, kind of high school, college kind of thing. And um, I, I sat down that day, took my headset, put my headset on, like to make a thousand phone call, cold calls, whatever the hell I had to do. And I um, sat down and I just was like, I can't do this anymore. Took my headset off, walked out, and that was it. No way. Yeah. Then French Culinary Institute after that. My parents were ecstatic. Not ecstatic. Facetiously speaking, <laughs> yeah, right? Speaking. They were not ecstatic <laughs> at all. They were like, what? Are you nuts? So well, and then and then you traveled all around, like actually working in restaurants after that, and then you became yeah. the executive chef of your own restaurant. Um, and I'm sure there's, I mean, so many lessons along the way that I don't, we don't have time to dive into now. Mm. But just sounds like you you've had a fascinating career, and want to want to get into some of the lessons that you've learned first. Yeah. I would love to hear real estate, yeah, restaurants. Right now, it is insane. I mean, th- everyone's coming out with these new concepts of how much square footage do they need? What does it look like? Do you have the drive-through? Do you have the app lane? What do you do with the parking lot? Yeah. How much space do you actually need? I want to open up a restaurant and six virtual kitchens. Like, how do you, Kyle, as you are helping um, helping businesses to and restaurants to find the right space? How do you take all of those things into consideration? And, you know, as a follow-up, what do you think is going to happen? You know, I think all the stuff like that you're referring to, the digital stuff, the drive-throughs, ghost kitchens, things like that. I, you know, I don't think they're going to be a fit for everybody. I think they're very sexy to talk about now. I think now is the time for concepts. You know, the, you know, the big guys are going to do what they want to do. They have the money, they have the resources, they, they can, you know, track these trends and things of that nature. But I think, you know, the, the traditional mom and pop, three to five units, 10 unit regional player, uh, I think now's the time to focus on the fundamentals. Like, what did you learn these last couple of years? You know, I, I played sports growing up all through college and it's kind of like when you've been beaten down, you know, they always say like, if you're, if you're struggling, you know, or if you play golf and you, everything's like a mess, they're like, just go to the driving range. Like, just, just go back to what mm-hmm. works and figure out what works for you. And I think, you know, you're definitely going to find there's, there's not a restaurant on the planet right now that something isn't going to change. And it's such a case by case basis. It's tough to put a um, universal like umbrella over it all. But I think you really have to figure out who you are, what you do well and what you don't do so well. Um, and and kind of try to figure out from there because it's, it's not, it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. And um, yeah, but it, it, it did put a mirror up against the industry and force you to kind of analyze who you are. Yeah. And, and what do you think in terms of uh, what have you seen lately in terms of the, the ghost kitchen, the, the layouts? I mean, like, what, are you seeing a shift in what people are looking for with real estate? Yeah, that's a good question. It's yeah, for sure. You know, the, the ghost kitchen thing, it sounds so easy, right? It's a restaurant with no it's, seats. We can pop these out. We can crank them out. But the reality is there are things like zoning, you know, and like 
build outs of spaces that are, that are not kitchens and the costs associated with that. Um, so even the big guys are finding that it's not so easy to execute that, you know, I think some, some regional guys are going to do well. Uh, the big guys, I think are kind of getting creative with what they're going to do with their real estate. Um, but I think ultimately wherever you put these ghost kitchens, um, it's going to come down to who markets the best, you know, yeah. you, you know, like the Mr. Beast thing is a trivia example. God knows nothing about restaurants. He opened up 300 restaurants in one day, virtual concepts uh, in one day. But there, there are things like, you know, who's overseeing the, the food production. By the way, have you tried that? Have you tried Mr. Beast Burger? You know, it's a funny story. I'm going to, I'm going to order it. Maybe this weekend I'll order it just to see what it's like. But when I went to look it up on my phone, one of them was literally coming from a convenience store. No. So the location was a convenience store. And I was like, there is no way that store is paying attention to freshness just just freshness let's forget about like a convenience store it's a convenience store it's a weird little convenience store like a mile from here that has a small little deli thing and my guess is the guy has a son who probably put him onto this and you know they're just dropping things in the fryer and putting burgers on the griddle but when you go in there that your first thought is not like oh this looks like a great place for a burger it looks like yeah. a place for you know lotto tickets and a snapple that's about it but yeah maybe to catch an sti but, you know, I mean, like, yeah, and that's one of the things that people are are talking about with authenticity. They they like to kind of see it, right? There's a great um, a great influencer out there, Sean Walchef of Cali Barbecue, mm-hmm. yeah. and he talks. Yeah, I'm sure you know him from Clubhouse at least. Yeah. Um, he talks all the time about his ghost kitchen. It's not a ghost kitchen; it's a friendly ghost kitchen. It's like yeah. he's not a normal CEO; he's a cool CEO. You know what I mean? Like he's He's one of these people where he's got the right concept of a ghost kitchen can't just be this get rich quick. And it's not some lotto ticket, you know, like you need to build it as if it is going to be around for 30 years um, and really ingrain it in part of the community. You could still have authenticity in a ghost kitchen. And, you know, it's just a matter of how are you doing that? And yeah, I think that's an interesting point, though, that this yeah. this C store didn't seem like, you know, th- there's kind of this cognitive dissonance of what you think Mr. B should be and what the C store is. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know Sean's point, I mean, I, that's, it's hard, right? Because a lot of operators got involved in this business because they like to provide an experience, right? Exactly. So, so the, 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 the guy or the, or the gal who owns the corner restaurant, it could fill the gaps in terms of, you know, where, where they're falling short in revenue on some things, maybe, but I think they're underestimating what it takes. Cause I mean, if, if you, if you and I opened up a ghost kitchen today in, in this town and it was a burger place or let's say a pizza place, you know, you type in pizza into any one of the major delivery apps, I guarantee you ours isn't going to be the first one that shows up. Uh-huh. How are you going to market that? And how are you going to get your word out? You know, obviously social is a great way to do it. And, but, but it's, it's a real, online business and if you're not capable of running an e-commerce food business well then maybe you should probably not sink your money into that would be my advice yeah and with e-commerce it's really interesting because especially now that there's a lot of what we're seeing is that as volumes of in-store are increasing our customers and you know our advisors and people that we're talking to they're not seeing their digital orders decrease which is interesting Mm -hmm. because the assumption was that as in-store orders increase, the digital is going to decrease and you're going to have some kind of an equilibrium, what people used to refer to as the new normal, right? The question, the question I have is with, uh, with location-based dining, 
is that still going to be something that uh, is location as important as it used to be? You know, I think, yes. And the short answer is yes. I think, I think for, for traditional restaurants, you know, that is um, I think convenience speed, you know, for, for, for like, you know, the QSRs of the world, the Chipotle's and even to some extent to, to the, um, you know, local independent restaurants, um, I, you know, the, the location where you are and to the extent that you can show how you're going to be fast, you're going to be clean, you're going to be, you know, digital, you're going to be online. I think it's all going to play a part, but I think being visible and being, being front facing is still going to be very important. Yeah. And I guess it's, as you drive by, there's still so much opportunity to, to be seen. And, and again, then it seems like it's a real place, right? Where it doesn't yeah. seem like, you know, you can, you can go and order something. And by the way, I'm really interested, Kyle, when you order Mr. Beast Burger, like send me an email. I would love to find out what it's like. I'm going to do a video where it comes from too. I mean, because you know what? It's, it's, a, it's, I don't think that it's a, I don't think that it's necessarily a threat to restaurants. You know, it's people looking for something to eat. You know, like teenagers love it, but I don't know. I, I don't, everything's being lumped in this restaurant category. And I don't think that that's such a, such a clear thing. I think people still, I think what they're, they're clamoring for right now is not, people aren't clamoring for restaurants to reopen because they're hungry. Like we know for the most part how to feed ourselves. We order <laughs> Mr. Beast, we can make a peanut butter and jelly. We want to go there for the experience and the connection to other people. So I, I, I don't think these are a threat to the restaurant. I think that's, I think they're, I think to be honest, I think most of them are going to not be around after 18 months or so. Yeah. I think they're, you know, a lot of people are predicting kind of like this swell and then this normalization, right? There's going to be, it's yeah. not that ghost kitchens are going to take over, but I look at ghost kitchens as yesteryear's food trucks. Yeah, right. right. But it's it's a great opportunity to try new things, to test new concepts. For example, I could think of a restaurant that um, I love here. It's a pizza place, but it started off as a Vietnamese sandwich shop, and then the owners weren't seeing a lot of sales, and they're like, "Hey, let's try this pizza thing out." And so they switched to pizza, and now they've got you know half dozen locations, growing really well, makes great pizza, it's and so power. it's it's one of these things where he could have tested out you know, the Vietnamese sandwich shop along with the pizza, right? You, you don't have to necessarily choose one or the other no. anymore. Now, that being no. said, you do want to be known for something, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the, that's where the virtual brands step in, right? Like you can be doing burritos out the back and pizza in the front. Nobody nobody knows. I, I, I think that still ultimately comes down is, you know, can you get on everybody's phone? Can you Can you make yourself so visible that, you know, like if I'm hungry, and I can't escape here. If I can order something, you know, hey, tacos, boom, great. I don't care where it comes from. If I know that it's good and I've seen your Instagram or somebody's, you know, sending out an email blast that I got and it, I can follow what you're doing there and it looks great. That's that's going to get my attention. I just, you know, that's not going to be easy for everybody. Can't, can't do it all. And it's going to be tough. Yeah. And you'd mentioned something earlier about the guest experience. What do you think the guest experience is going to look like in the in the coming years? Like, in terms of we, we come together in restaurants around food for that connection aspect, yeah. but as things are, you know, happening remotely and, and maybe we're even like, you know, for example, here at the office, because yeah, I'm, I'm at an office now and we will, uh, you know, we'll order food for the team. So whereas before we would go out to eat, 
Mm. Now we're actually ordering food in and eating all together here, right? So, so how do you think in terms of, is that something that that type of behavior is going to stay around? Do you think that people are going to continue to, you know, uh, want to have these experiences more privately, or do you think there's still something that's pulling us to these physical locations? Um, that's another great question. I think it's, you know, still going to be important. And I think to the extent that a restaurant can deliver an experience outside the four walls of their building, that's going to be a huge asset. So let's say, you know, the local sushi place doesn't deliver in those little black containers anymore, but they deliver in these cool little, you know, recyclable boxes or, or even reusable containers. And they throw in, you know, some stuff that's reminiscent of the space or it's packaged really cool. That's going to go a long way in you ordering from them again, right? Like if, if, as opposed to something that came in an aluminum tin container with a cheap little plastic lid, you know, I think being able to put yourself out there and brand yourself as somebody, look, I get that delivery is important. I get that this should be hot and that this should be cold and they shouldn't be packed together. Like that kind of stuff is, is a huge, huge deal. And I think it's uh, there's still going to be a lot of people who are not going to feel comfortable for a long time going out. But I also think, you know, it's been a year, right? Like, so our, our behaviors to an extent will be impacted. And I think restaurants that can provide that experience on, on any level, uh, whether it's, you know, you pull up on a Vespa and you have a cool little wicker basket and you deliver, just getting creative, having fun with it, I think will go a long, long way. That is, that's a really, I love that point because a lot of, a lot of times people are thinking, Hey, how do I, how do I bring the brand home? Right. And yeah. with the delivery, there's a company called the Madeira group. They um, have like Toka, Toka Madeira and a few other concepts. One of the really cool things that they do is they have a bag, like a very fancy, fancy bag. And like, when I say fancy, I mean like Haley Bieber was carrying that bag in Europe. Right. Because wow. Yeah. After, after ordering the food in LA, she yeah. brought the bag with her on the plane and then was carrying it around in Europe and was photographed in, I think it was like Milan or something carrying this bag. Wow. Anyway, but, but these are the things that help, help remind people about what the brand is. And, yeah. uh, I, and I love that concept about what are those little things that you can do that are unexpected, especially with delivery to get someone to say, wow, that's cool. Like yeah. this, I still feel something. It's not just a manufactured thing that I could have gone and pick up at Trader Joe's. I mean, no offense. I like their sushi, but you know, I mean, but I think that's, that's a great point. Um, Yeah. We used to, so I was part of a taqueria. I actually just sold my interest in it last week, but we were giving people a card that had our Spotify playlist on it. So if you took a picture with your phone, it would open up Spotify because people loved our music. So like you want the experience at home, you know, we spend a lot of money on packaging and on stickers and all this kind of stuff. And we would always put, we had like dum-dum lollipops. So kids would take on the way out. So we were putting them in there too. Plus the Spotify playlist. We're like, look, this is, you know, the best we can do here. And they loved it. People loved it. As awesome idea. So based on what you're seeing now, Kyle, what would be your last piece of advice to restaurant owners, operators? Um, you know, really just right now, stay strong, you know, get the help you need to get the funding. You know, that's going to be a big thing to try to, to try to stay on top of. It's not an easy process. They're going to want, you know, your firstborn child and blood and everything to figure this out. But, you know, look, I think if you're in a position to be opportunistic, uh, that window is closing. Uh, there are deals to be had on the real estate side. Um, so talk, talk to somebody in your market about, about those opportunities. And, um, 
now's the time, you know, really, I, I think we're going to be in for a boom here. Once everything gets figured out and the vaccine really starts to take hold. And I think, you know, the, the fall, maybe the winter are, are going to be uh, tremendously successful for, for the local independent restaurants. Totally agree. I love that, Kyle. So here's what I took away. Number one, follow your bliss. Joseph Campbell, man, you just got to you go for things. And even if even if you're going to disappoint old mom and dad and change your from a life of uh, wealth and luxury to restaurants, <laughs> do it. Love that, Kyle. Two, focus on the fundamentals. Um, three, build online marketing with your restaurant because you know that's where you're going to win. But don't discount location. Location still matters, both uh, physical and digital. Four, take extra steps with delivery to not just deliver food, but deliver an experience, deliver your brand, deliver your soul into what you're doing. I mean, I love the fact that you had the dum-dums and, and the Spotify playlist, right? Yeah the little things go a very long way, especially when not very many people are doing them. Uh, and finally, stay strong, get funded, and be opportunistic. Uh, love that. Kyle, how do people find you, follow you? Um, well, the best way to find me is definitely Instagram, at Kyle and Sarah. Uh, or you can have like a texting platform that I'm now part of. Uh, you can text me anytime, 914-996-4569. Awesome. Well, Kyle, for helping us uh, remind ourselves of why we're in this business and why we're not in something else, today's ovation goes to you, man. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.